everybody and welcome to My Favourite Things Podcast where we talk to a few of my favourite people about a few of their favourite things. Hello you beautiful little bastards. Welcome to My Favourite Things Podcast. I'm your host Jamie. Thank you ever so much for joining me today. I'm sorry there's been quite a delay on this episode. Um, It's a bit of a sad story on this one. I sat down about a month ago and had a conversation with Stuart Brooks. He is the host of the New Generation Project podcast, an absolutely fantastic wrestling podcast. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're a podcast fan, go download it because it is really, really fun. They basically look at the new generation of the WWF, the 1995, that sort of time. It's a brilliant conversation that I had with Stuart. Really enjoyed it. Stuart is a fantastic guy. I'm just really gutted because the recording fucked up. There's no other way to put it. But looking at the positive side of things, it fucked up at a standstill. A really good point. It was where we were going into the My Favourite Things portion of the podcast. So it's bad because we didn't get the whole conversation and the bit we lose is the point in this podcast, talking about people's My Favourite Things. But I got to keep the getting to know you part, which matters to me because Stuart was a really nice guy, took time out of his life to sit down and talk to me. And we had a great conversation. Now, if you're a fan of wrestling, you're going to enjoy this. Because we're both huge wrestling fans. If you're a fan of podcasts, you're going to enjoy this. Because we're both podcasters. So, I really hope you do enjoy this conversation. Absolutely gutted. Really am gutted. But I, I refuse to waste the conversation in totally because of that. And I could ask Stuart back on and re-record it. But it wouldn't have had the same, talking about the same conversation, same subjects again and again. But maybe if something pops up, I'll talk to Stuart. Maybe we could get him on. We could have a different conversation. And he could still go with his favourite things again. Maybe. We'll see what happens. But I have got Stuart's song, which he's chosen, which I'll stick on the end. I'll go into that after the episode. So without further ado, we'll get into the episode. But before we do, sorry, I just wanted to say a massive, massive thank you to our first guest, Scotch Gaffer. Last weekend was my father's wedding. Now, I was an usher for my dad's wedding. And, you know, at the end, when they're doing the speeches, they say, like, oh, we're going to give out presents to people and whatnot. My dad did that. And I walk over to him and he says, I've had a, I've been emailing some guy. And um, I hope you like it. So I open his bag as a card. Thank you for being our usher. Nice glass cup. And, uh, and then there's this brown envelope. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Opening it up and oh my god, speechless. Almost started crying in the middle of uh, everyone, my entire family, because it just. <laughs> I was in such shock. No, no. I opened it up and what I found inside was a copy of Scott's movie Linger, which we spoke about on the episode. Signed, and when I say signed, I mean everywhere. The disc was signed. The booklet inside was signed. The front cover was signed. <laughs> Um, Scott's book, which we spoke about in the episode, that signed on the front cover, Jamie, you rock. It's amazing. And then there's also a clerk's promotional photo of himself signed. Uh, two other little cards signed. Absolutely mental, you know. And it meant a lot to me because Scott was such a nice guy. I find out he's been talking to my dad behind my back to arrange this sort of thing. It meant a lot. My dad actually listens to the show and really thought it'd mean a lot to me to get this. Absolutely incredible. It means so much. So massive thank you to Scott. A massive thank you to my dad. What, what an incredible day that was. 
Anyway, enough of this soppy bullshit. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my favourite things podcast with Stuart Brooks of the New Generation Project podcast. So without further ado, Paul, take it away. Welcome to the show. Right, so Stuart Brooks, welcome to the My Favourite Things podcast. Thank you very Thank much you for coming on, mate. Not a problem at all. Now, obviously, the world, I'm going to say the world, why not, knows you <laughs> as the host of the uh, New Generation Project podcast. Indeed, that, that that would be what I'm most known for, I guess. Yes. Um, basically, what we'll do, we'll talk a little bit about the podcast in a bit, but just a bit of a background on yourself. So, um, whereabouts are you from? Uh, Leicester, England. Lived here most of my life, and I'm, I'm still here now. You're just up the road from me, then. Oh, whereabouts are you, then? Birmingham. Oh, yeah, not too far it's away. Not, not far too far away. Oh, I've lived in a couple of other places, so you, you'll, you'll get a lot of people slag Leicester off quite a lot, but I've lived in worse places for brief periods of time, so I'm quite accepting of Leicester in general. I think I've been to Leicester once, and it wasn't a great experience, but that wasn't because of Leicester, so... I okay, fair <laughs> I'm quite a big fan of Birmingham, if that's... Anyway. Oh, that works, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, people that know New Generation Project Podcast would know it is all about, uh, as you call it, the dark era of the WWE. So, yeah, um, absolutely. So, f- what got you into wrestling? What age did you pick up wrestling? Um, I would say it was when I was 10 years old. When I was at school as a child, this was in the infancy of Sky TV. I think it had maybe been over here a few years. And Sky was this sort of mythical thing that a couple of the richer kids at school had. And you wanted Sky for two things. There were two things on there. The Simpsons and WWF Wrestling. They were these things that you couldn't watch on Channel 1, 2, 3 or 4 that you wanted Sky to be able to watch. And I think in a round kind of like 1990, 1991, my brother, who was a lot older than me and didn't live with us anymore, he got it. And I saw a bit there. And then we finally got it in 1992. And yeah, the first thing literally I remember watching is WrestleMania 8, which would have been the day after my 10th birthday. And just being blown away by it, the sort of pageantry of it all and the size of it all and and yeah it's it sort of built up this mystique from hearing about it at school and stuff and yeah that that's where it came in i think so i'm a massive wrestling fan myself so i'm with you on that one unfortunately i can't remember how we got into it i just remember being a kid and having all the so many videos yeah but i just can't remember how i got into it for the life of me my memory's terrible yeah, it's one of those things. I have a bizarre OCD-type memory, so it does stick in my head. I can also remember the first episode of The Simpsons I saw. It's the one where they go to the fun park and he gets stuck in the water slide and they have to lift him out. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah. That, that is very, very early memory. Simpsons. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, if I could put it towards something useful, I'd probably cured like a major disease by now, but it's taken up by wrestling trivia and that sort of thing instead. It's not a bad trivia to have. Mm, it's, it's not really gotten me anywhere. <laughs> I don't know, you're, you're the host of a podcast. There you go, that, 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 that's my status. <laughs> so, um, obviously saying, so when you grew up, who, who were your uh, favourites? Oh, hand on heart, Bret Hart. Oh, the, exactly. the, an intentional pun there. Um, yeah, Brett, I came into it as Brett was kind of making his run towards the main event and as Hogan and the Warrior and guys like that were sort of on their way out, 
So they seemed a little bit too over the top to me and a little bit too cartoony, whereas Brett had the more of the underdog vibe going on. So I was a big fan of him. Mr. Perfect as well was another one I absolutely loved as a kid. Obviously, I didn't see his initial heel run, but I've got very vivid memories of when he turned face and sided with Macho Man against Razor Ramon and Ric Flair at late 92. Trying to think of some other ones who are favourites as kids. Macho Man as well, yeah, I was, a, I was a big fan of him as well. I actually fell out of it around WrestleMania 11, which we've discussed on our show uh, recently. So I have quite a big gap between then and when I actually got back into it, which would have been WrestleMania 15, was was kind of the next thing I saw. Yeah, yeah, I, I went through gaps with it. Like I'd start watching it, stop watching it, mainly because of access. As you said earlier on, you know, like the UK, it's not easy to get access to wrestling. Yeah. So oh, it was literally, I'd watch my videos while so much is going on. Like the new generation, I missed because I didn't have access. I was watching WrestleMania 6 at home and still loving the Hogan Warrior match, whereas God knows what's happening in our actual life. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it had its sort of cyclical run of being cool as well. So, you know, when, you, when you're sort of growing up and early teens and stuff and something's not cool, I, I guess you kind of drop it. But by the time I got back, back into it, it was being marketed at me again. So it was marketed at me as a sort of 16, 17-year-old lad. That's that's who it was being aimed towards again. So it kind of came back in and became cool again. As I say, yeah, that's when I remember picking it up. Like, becoming majorly into it again was around the Attitude Era because I was in school, my friends were watching it. It was, you know, it was easier accessible it was yeah like you said it's, it's aimed towards our demographic you know you, I still have memories of walking around the school ground shouting suck it at people and doing the crotch chop oh yeah yeah <laughs> With all and them, staying yeah. up late to watch pay-per-views as well obviously during my initial viewing of it as a kid hey, I wouldn't have been staying up till one o'clock in the morning anyway but they weren't shown live on TV in the early 90s but by the time Attitude came around they were being shown live so yeah I distinctly remember like a bunch of us going around people's houses and staying up to watch these pay-per-views and it being quite an experience yeah I remember being especially happy when they got it on Channel 4 for that brief period because I could actually watch those <laughs> yeah one of those one of those memories is definitely Backlash 2000 and being around a friend's house and like six or seven of us I think staying up before school the next day to watch it um, I remember skipping school because my friend had taped Wrestlemania 16 for me so I was like oh I I can't go to work I'm at school I just need to sit at home and watch this wrestling tape my friend it seems like me. a good enough reason <laughs> I thought so my parents didn't but I did <laughs> <laughs> so um, are, are you still watching the product now yeah not as much as I used to obviously these days most of my viewing is sort of tied up watching old episodes of raw and the pay-per-views we review for the show but yeah i, I try and catch up on it raw's one of those shows that i kind of watch a little bit in fast forward so i'll check out what's happened online and i'll get a feel for what's worth watching what's not worth watching and kind of go through it that way i still make an effort to watch nxt uh, that's an hour long so i can sit down and watch that and that's no great effort as far as other stuff goes, I kind of stay up to date with what's going on. I'll, I'll catch a bit of TNA every now and again. Uh, PWG is one I make a special effort to kind of stay up to date with and watch a fair amount of their DVDs and Chikara as well. I still I still watch a fair bit of that, but primarily WWF and at the minute, yeah, primarily mid nineties. Well, that's fair enough. It was good stuff. Why not? And plus, it's research. It's an excuse to watch it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, obviously, the New Generation Project. Um, what what inspired you to start it? Because obviously well, you got. I'm sorry, Karen. No, go for it. I was going to say obviously you got OSW doing the Hulkamania era, and then you had Attitude era picking up 
attitude era, oddly enough. And then yep. you guys, was it a case of, I like these, I should fill the gap, or was there... Yeah, kind of. Well, I think Attitude Era I actually discovered first before OSW, and I definitely remember binging on about their first sort of six to eight episodes, and then discovering OSW, and then literally listening to all of theirs, because I didn't even know it was a video podcast to start with, I just listened to it through iTunes, and only discovered at a later date it was video, but yeah, binging on that entire catalogue in a week, and... I played it for Paul in a in a car once we were driving somewhere and I put it on because Paul doesn't tend to listen to a lot of music and stuff, but he'll listen to sort of podcasts and radio type things in his car. So I said, you know, listen to this. I think you'll find it quite funny. And he absolutely loved it. And it must have been a couple of months later that he came to me and said, oh, we, you know, we should try doing one of these. And I kind of thought about it for a bit and thought, well, actually, yeah, we, we could give it a go. And Adam did a university course in media and technology and that kind of thing so i went to him and said you know how would we do this would it be possible for us to do this is it easy to do this so we took it from there and yeah the the idea for obviously the period we came from did come from me because yeah it seemed logical to say okay so you've got osw that are doing up until kind of wrestlemania 9 and you've got attitude that pick up at wrestlemania 14 and yeah those are the two sort of big points that people often have fond memories of in wrestling but yeah, there's a sort of five-year gap in the middle there that, A, neither of the shows were covering, and B, while, yeah, there's a lot of terrible stuff there, it's quite interesting that what OSW leave you with isn't what Attitude Era pick you up with. So how did it change from that kind of cartoony Hulk Hogan-type stuff to the Steve Austin stuff of the Attitude Era? So I just thought, yeah, there's something quite interesting there, and thought we should give it a go. Fair enough. So um, obviously you mentioned them, so I'll bring them back up. Mr. Paul Scrivens, as his several names. Yeah. And uh, how did you meet Paul? Where does that blossom from? Um, Paul, I know through Adam. Adam, I actually went. We actually all went to school together, so we've known each other probably ten, fifteen years. Adam, I was in class, various media and English classes, I think, at high school with. And Paul was in some of his other classes and stuff. But oddly enough, I didn't actually get to know Paul a lot until after we'd finished school. I let that go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when it was one of those things where kind of we discovered mutual interests, mainly wrestling and cricket, and just kind of became good friends from there. But I think Adam and Paul have known each other since they're about ten or eleven, so they've known each other a very, very long time. And Adam and I have always been friends since since we left school. Yeah, fair so obviously there's, a, there's clearly a common bond with wrestling. Was that the case in school as well, or is it something you bonded on in the future? Um. Not initially with Adam and I. I think it was more just, like I say, we're in the same media studies class. So I think it was kind of movies and music that kind of bonded us first. But then when I got back into wrestling in 99, I think I kind of forced it upon other people. And then it kind of came out that Adam had been a fan in the sort of Hogan era. And then, yeah, I mean, he was one of the people we'd have stayed up to watch the shows with. Paul, not at the time, but latterly, yes. You know, we've we've stayed up and, and we've watched shows and we've watched a lot of wrestling together. But... Yeah, not initially. That's fair enough. So, obviously, going to school together. <laughs> I had a feeling there might be something like that, but because obviously wrestling is a is a bond when you when you when you have friends who are wrestling fans, it generally you've known them since kids. 
Yeah, it, it, it's one of those niche things that yeah. it, it ties people together. I, I have got, a, you know, a bunch of other friends that I now, you know, they're sort of wrestling friends that I know from various stages of life. But yeah, for example, one of them is a guy I met. I lived in Bedford for a number of years and a friend of mine started seeing this guy and she introduced me to him because he liked wrestling. And yeah, five, six years later, he and I are still quite good friends and go to shows together and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's one of those things that sorts of tends to bond people, as I guess niche interests do, whether it be a particular genre of music or a particular type of film or a particular, I don't know, Japanese cartoon or something. It bonds people together when you've kind of got a an interest that isn't a common interest. Like everyone in the world's a football fan or 90 percent of people in the world are football fans. You wouldn't instantly go out and be right. Well, he's a football fan, too. We, we should be friends or we'll probably get along whereas wrestling fans yeah you, you kind of tend to be drawn to each other yeah I was going to say you do get that with a lot of friends you're like oh you should meet my friend so and so he's a wrestling fan you two will get along <laughs> yeah oh, that, that, that's absolutely it yeah you get that quite a lot so um obviously with the new generation podcast new generation project podcast sorry um so what was it that made you decide obviously you had the idea and whatnot so what was it that made you go, right, let's do it, that gives you that kick up the arse. Because obviously with myself, I don't know about you, I was a massive fan of podcasting previously. So what gave you that thought to go, yeah, let's do it? That, that, do you well, know what I mean? Yeah, kind of, I was a similar, like like you say, fan of podcasting. I used to listen a lot to obviously Colt Cabanas and the Pro Wrestling Torch ones were when I used to commute like two hours a day to a job and those things were like godsends for something to listen to on these kind of very long journeys. But I think it was hearing those Attitude Era and OSW ones that made me think, hang on, actually, you don't have to necessarily be a wrestler or be in the industry for someone to want to listen to you talk about that. If you can kind of come across as well-researched and have a bit of humor to it then actually people might listen to it did i think anybody would listen to ours when i started not really i kind of passed it on to a couple of friends that early on and said you know would you have a listen to this and would you mind you know give me a bit of feedback and when they said they enjoyed it it gave me a bit of a sort of motivation to carry on doing it because i mean there's i think there's something like six weeks between the first and the second episode but yeah, and then kind of getting featured on stuff like Pile Driver and then Botchamania and stuff made me think, well, actually, people are interested. And it still kind of takes me a bit by surprise, even on our own Facebook page. So we, we do a lot of stuff with photos and coming up with sort of things for the audience to participate in, in terms of having things read back out in the episodes. And it catches me by surprise still when I'll post something and somebody will, in their response, make a reference to a particular joke that we've done on the show. And it just sort of reminds me, oh, actually, hang on, people are listening to this. And, and, and it seems odd because I see the kind of numbers and stuff that come through on, on the feed and the RSS feed and stuff. But it reminds me that people actually are listening to it and paying attention when they make references to jokes that we've done on the show. Yeah. I, I, I was actually featured on one of your episodes of the uh, comments. I was quite proud of that moment. <laughs> Oh, which, which one did you send in then? It was the uh, looking into Mabel's eyes. I made the comment oh, of yeah. you'll see the real admin of WrestleMaths. Oh, Paul Paul was very angry about yeah, he that. he didn't seem because, very impressed yeah. with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's stuff like that that reminds me that actually people do pay attention to what we're saying. It's not just something that people have downloaded and then not listened to. There are people actually out there that wait to listen to the show and then are paying attention to it. And I know that probably sounds a little bit odd, but yeah, it 
it takes me by surprise. No, I know what you mean. I'm just like, when I first started doing this, I know I don't have many listeners at the minute, but, you know, it's a building process. But when someone goes, oh, listen to your show, I was like, really? You actually listen to it? It's like my dad tells yeah. me, listen to it at work. I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, that's very kind of him. It is, yeah. But yeah, it's just something you you just think, oh, I'm going to do this, me and my friends, you know, something different. You don't actually expect anyone to actually listen to it. Yeah, I mean, there's that element to it as well. I think, obviously, if you've listened to the show, you'll know Paul had his baby Scrivens last year. Well, he didn't, Mrs. Scrivens had it. Yes. But... Yeah, so it's kind of nice that, you know, we're all really busy with jobs and adult lives and stuff, but it's nice to almost have a sort of regimented, every couple of weeks, the three of us will sit down and we'll have a bit of a laugh and and discuss wrestling for, you know, nine on two, three hours sometimes. So it's, it's nice for us to have a reason to get together that sort of, not almost forces it, but necessitates it. Yeah. Adam and I live together, so we see each other all the time, but yeah. So, obviously, what you can gather is you are the driving force behind this podcast, not to downgrade what the other two do. But So, do you literally sit there and watch all of the Raws between hand? Yeah, absolutely. It's At first, I didn't because there was kind of six months of, of stuff between it. So, I actually referred a lot to the History of Wrestling books, which are really, really useful guides and have been really, really helpful. But as kind of the, the pay-per-views grew closer together and you would sort of to only have like two months between the shows, yeah, I started to sit down and watch all these shows between between each pay-per-view. And yeah, I, 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 we discuss it actually on the new episode we've got out tomorrow. It's I find it a lot easier to watch these sort of one-hour shows. They're a lot easier to digest rather than sort of the modern three-hour roars. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Adam does a lot of the work technical-wise. Like, he sets up the recording equipment and deals with the actual... What's the word I'm looking for? The actual maintenance of the file before he gives it to me for editing. So, we out of the three of us, Paul does the least work. I'll, I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. <laughs> but he's a busy man. He's got a wife and a kid, say, you know. He's so. got baby scribbles. Exactly. So, yeah... It, the research side of it is is 100% me. That actually takes a fair amount of time. Uh, we're, we're about to put out a SummerSlam 95 episode tomorrow, and it's the most of it. It's 14 pages in Word of sort of background and stuff relating to the matches and people's debuts, and that's the most I've done for a single episode. So it's it's another one that's sort of clocking in at about two and a half hours. But yeah, that that's a lot of work in itself. But it, at the same time, it doesn't feel like work because you're doing it because you enjoy it and because you've obviously got a sense that actually people out there are enjoying it. So this is why, this is why I brought it up because that is one of the things that I absolutely love about your show is the minor details. Even if it's something that, you know, like the wins and losses records. Yeah. You know, obviously the one with the million dollar corporation is a lot easier to work out than others. Yeah. But regardless... <laughs> well, because they, they, just, they just keep losing. Yeah. yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible. It was... Oh, sorry. I'm just... My mind's just Wonder focusing to 1994. To, yeah, especially WrestleMania 11. The, the, oh. I'd, I'd like to sort of have it seen in a bizarre way as almost like a historical document. And if you're aiming for sort of that, then the accuracy and the sort of attention to detail is something you want to be looking at. So another podcast I really enjoyed that I listened to a lot of last year was Dan Carlin's Hardcore Histories. Hmm, I heard that one. It, it's... 
he does sort of these massive projects. There's a five-part one on the Mongols called Wrath of the Khans that some of them are like four hours long per episode and the sort of level of research and attention to detail and the way he tells these his- historical stories, just absolutely fantastic. So, it, you know, it's, it's sort of a left-field influence on what we're doing as opposed to Attitude Era and OSW, but... Yeah, there's certainly, I like. I would like to think an element of that in there, in that I want to be able to sort of put across historical reasons for stuff happening, or, yeah, minor details of things that play into things later on, or, or even just mentioning things that are going on in other companies that are then going to play a part later on for us, rather than have it just come out of the blue, you know, 18 months later, and it's like, oh, this happened 18 months ago. I like to kind of try and include it at the time if it's important. So, for example, Shane Douglas throwing down the NWA title at the end of that tournament, completely irrelevant to Survivor Series 1994, I think it was, but quite relevant in the ongoing story that we're trying to tell. And I think that's ultimately what we're trying to do is, at various points, we ask ourselves the question, so what direction is this company trying to go in and what direction are they trying to find and that's what the whole period we're covering feels like they're they're trying to find a direction to latch on to obviously they'll find that in sort of 1997 but it's interesting seeing you know the attempts with say luger and diesel and you know trying to work out why didn't they work and what was wrong with them yeah no i like like i said one of the reasons i love your show is because the attention to detail the reminder of a lot of things which I completely forgot about and it does make especially if you've got the network especially is very helpful I don't, have you got the network yes yes my yeah. current address is in Alaska yeah I think mine's in Stanford I'm just down the road from the headquarters but <laughs> Excellent. it's like when I because I listen to your shows like well podcasts in general when I'm walking to work working back from work at work I'm the same yeah so I got home from work listening to your King of the Ring episode, the most recent one. Yeah. Which sounded like torture for you, by the way, and I really... Oh, it was, it was horrible. Like, that was just... I was kind of worried when we were doing that show that it would just come across as no fun at all. I think it turned out okay. I but... loved it, because I know how painful that paper view is. Yeah, it, it's bloody awful. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, I say, I, with the network, it's like, I got in, I had the house to myself from it, I was like, I'm going to watch that paper view again. It can't be as bad as the guy said it was. I think I got two matches in all right. I can't do this to myself. Yeah, I can't God, do it anymore. The amount of people on Twitter I had saying, "Oh, I watched King of the Ring. It's absolutely terrible," and I'm like, "I said, don't watch it." Like, <laughs> when, when something's bad but it's funny, I'll say, "Yeah, go out of your way to watch it." Like, I think we're going to be doing Halloween Havoc '95 soon. These Hogan giant sumo monster truck bollocks. Oh God! And that is bad. It's probably worse than King of the Ring '95. But it's funny. Whereas King of the Ring 95 is just three hours of boring, dull, lifeless. There's no there's no comedy value to be gained from it, which there obviously is in a lot, a lot of wrestling. But, yeah, the amount of people that were coming and saying, oh, I watched this show, it was awful. And I'm like, well, I told you not to. So speaking of funny parts of your show, I need to ask the history. Mr. WrestleMaths himself, where yeah. does this come from, the WrestleMaths? I think, as with anything with Paul, it just comes out of just his head. Like the the Bunkhouse Bob Monkhouse thing, or the Tatonka thing with the moons. I think the Tatonka thing with the moons was the first WrestleMaths thing. But yeah, it's it's just him. He's very sort of sciencey and mathsy in the in the job he does anyway. So that 
you know, that plays into it. But obviously, I think he decided to just bring this sort of tangent of his own onto it, and it's just become a little bit of a thing now. It's it, We like to refer to it as his gimmick. What's the thing you got? That's another thing I like about your show, which makes it separates it from people like Attitude Era and OSW, is like Razor Ramon's pants. Mullet of the night. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that, that's another Adam... Odd, those two are Adam oddisms rather than Paul oddisms. So, yes, Adam's very fond of haircuts in real life, and that's obviously played into the show. Fantastic present you got him, by the way, the mullet. Oh, yeah, yeah. It hooks on the back of your glasses, and as all three of us wear glasses, it's quite useful. But Paul was actually wearing it the other day with a cap on, and it looked fantastic because it looked like his actual hair. It, it, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Why is that picture not surfaced online? I, I, I think him and his wife will. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, obviously, the other quirky thing about your show, which I absolutely love, which I, I need to know the history of, is the sing-along karaoke at the end. What is the history of that? Oh, okay. See, see, that's another thing. That's, that's Paul's other gimmick that kind of got out of control. He literally, after the... He's notoriously a bad singer, and his singing's always been terrible. I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. But after the first recording we did, I can't even remember what he sung, but... Before we stopped the recording, he started singing in an Alan Partridge style, something at the end. Can't remember what it was. And from that point on, we just decided to keep putting it in. And then it was WrestleMania, before we did WrestleMania 10, which I think was our sixth episode, somebody actually put in a request. And this was really, really odd to us that it was another one of those things that, like I said earlier, reminded me people were actually listening to the show. But at the same time, I thought, you can't possibly want to hear him sing a particular song. And it was My Humps, which we then decided, as it was our first WrestleMania, and it was going to be a big production, so we thought, you know what, we'll, we'll find a karaoke track to it, and we'll get him to do the proper song. Whereas before he just sung like one or two lines, he, we decided we were going to get him to do the majority of the song. And it was one of those things where I don't think I've laughed so much in, in forever, I, literally in stitches. He didn't manage the full song, because we were all just laughing so much. As, all absolutely gutted that he didn't get to the part of the song where they start talking about milky milky cocoa pops <laughs> but yeah so we did a good production job on that and again the feedback on it was just sort of bizarrely positive like loved it absolutely brilliant can he sing this song can he sing this song can he sing this song so the next couple of episodes there was sort of random songs that he put on there and then someone on twitter suggested well why doesn't he just do whatever was uk number one at the time of the pay-per-view and it was just like sort of massive moment of clarity like well that's obviously what he should be doing so we were brilliant idea. yeah we went on wikipedia and looked at some of the list of the songs that he would have to do and it was stuff like seeing saturday night by wigfield and cotton eye joe by rednecks and mr boombastic by shaggy and gangster's paradise by coolio that we just thought he has to sing these songs this will be absolutely fantastic and and yeah it's, it's one of those things that just gets bizarrely positive feedback like paul's terrible terrible singing it, it has become this sort of really quite popular thing to the point where when we put out the in your house two episode which was our last one a couple of weeks ago people were sort of actively asking well why wasn't he singing the jeff jarrett song it's like oh, i'm sorry were we supposed to be doing that it, it, it it's bizarre but yeah i did actually think he was gonna sing that at the end i was quite surprised and he didn't myself if i'm honest do, do, do you know what it didn't even occur to us it, it's one of those things where i didn't even think of asking him to do it i, I guess we were so sort of single-minded with the 
UK number one's thing that it, it didn't occur to us to do it. But little known fact is, is Paul's actually a very, very talented guitarist. So I'm sort of trying to persuade him to learn the song on guitar and sing it because we'll hit our anniversary, our year anniversary episode in about two months or so. So I thought that might be quite a cool thing to do. So whether or not that comes off, I'm not sure. Whether we get him to do that or the Lex Luger song is another one I really want him to do. The I'll Be Your Hero one from the Lex Express tour. Oh, yes, yeah. I remember it. Or, Unfortunately, I remember it. Oh, God, yeah. Or the Birth of Faith theme tune from SummerSlam 95. There's sort of three songs that I'd really... Wrestling songs that I'd really like him to tackle, but whether he ends up doing them... We, we, we too see. many greats. Yeah, there's there's so many great theme songs I'd like to hear him sing, but I, th- I think, yeah, that Jeff Jarrett one or the Lex Luger one would be particularly special. I'm telling you what I'd quite like to hear. Go on, then. All three of you do a rendition of Slam Jam. Oh, yeah, down the line with Paul's Macho Man impression. That that would be quite <laughs> <laughs> spot-on Macho Man impression. Oh, God, it, it, his impressions are his other gimmick as well. I know we're laying them upon <laughs> gimmick upon gimmick, but, yeah, maths, bad singing and bad impressions. Good gimmicks to have. Yeah, yeah. Oh. To be honest, he gets more sort of positive feedback about his him on the show than Adam and I combined. So, you know, <laughs> he's he's obviously standing out to the audience. So, yeah, good stuff. He is he's very good. So, as you were touching earlier on, you said like being featured on Botchamania and Power Driver and whatnot. So, how did those come around? Because obviously, Botchamania and Power Driver are very well known in the I hate to say it IWC, but you know, yeah. Everyone does know of these places. So how how did that come around? Well, when when we stuck the first episode out, obviously I kind of very humbly went out and sent a bunch of messages to people on Facebook, just saying, "Oh, you, you know, we've done this. If you wouldn't mind taking a look at it and having a listen, giving us a bit of feedback, that that'd be great." And I think at the time, the only people that actually reposted the show was Piledriver, and that did help our likes on Facebook, you, you know, immeasurably to start with. And then when they were launching their site in January, they approached us and and just said, you know, would you be interested in being a part of it? We've got these shows. And as it was alongside OSW and Attitude Air and, and Place to Be and stuff like that, it was it was an obvious, well, yeah, of course we will. Uh, Botchamania was another one that just a couple of months... Uh, let me start that again. Botchamania was another one that came along a couple of months later. That was one that I guess we'd been angling and hoping for for a little while, but again, it was a message from Matthew on Facebook that just said, you know, if I can't promise you anything or other than the opportunity to put the show on the site. And again, it was it was a no-brainer in terms of just saying, well, of course we'd want to be featured on that. A- anything, you know, that hauls us out to a bigger audience, I guess. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That's, that's what I'm trying to do at the minute is just promote, promote, promote. Obviously, you've got the advantage of being we're a wrestling podcast let's approach wrestling fans yeah but that's where i'm struggling is finding a market yeah i guess with the sort of diversity of your guests there's no one particular genre of fans i guess you could go with to start with it's it's hard i I think in a way that to, to get the ball rolling once the ball's rolling you're all good but it's that mm. initial i remember you know the first couple of weeks of our plays coming in and it's like on that episode one it's like you know 10 plays 30 plays 70 plays a month down the line but once we kind of started getting featured on the pile driver facebook page and then on the twitter and then on the website and you just once the ball's rolling you start to gather more momentum if that makes any sense yeah um 
obviously, this is called My Favourite Things Podcast. Yeah. Now, what I normally do is, as I said to you before when we were talking about this, is I do three different sections. Yep. But as we've got you on, and you are a fellow podcaster, I'm going to add a fourth one to yours. Go on then. Which would be podcasts. Okay. Because obviously, so how did you discover podcasts? What was your input into podcasts? I guess the wrestling ones entirely. It would either be, and this is one thing I can't remember, it's definitely either The Art of Wrestling or the Pro Wrestling Torch podcasts. It was it was one of the two, and I would imagine they'd have been very much around the same time. So, like I say, I was doing these sort of very long bus journeys to work, like 90 minutes to sort of an hour and three quarters there and back each day. So these things were quite necessary to keep me sane on these sort of long journeys. And, yeah, just, just found them fascinating. And the PW Torch ones especially to sort of get daily news updates and to be able to sort of hear different people's takes on things going on in wrestling at the time, that, that was definitely my road in initially. So um, what podcast do you listen to nowadays? Favourite one, I'd say, now is the Stone Cold podcast. Absolutely. I think he's head and shoulders above Jericho, JR, even Colt. He just comes across as the absolute just most genuine soundest bloke in the world like i think if i could go for a beer with anyone on the planet it would be steve austin because he just comes across so well on these shows like jr i tend to find smothers his guests a little bit and jericho is just irritating as all hell and i was a massive jericho fan in in the late 90s early 2000s so it's sad to kind of say that about him but he i find him really annoying but steve austin just strikes the absolute right balance between asking questions and getting the right things out of his guests so he doesn't overpower them and he allows them time to breathe and tell their stories and stuff and yeah just comes across in the sort of links to to in the intros and outros to the shows as just a genuinely nice guy and you sort of listen to those bits where he's talking about sitting at home watching old wrestling on you on youtube and you think well that he's a regular guy yeah no i i really enjoy Austin's. I listen to. Actually, they just listen to me on podcast one. Yes. Is I also listen to uh, Jim Ross's, as you said. My problem with JR's is he sounds bored. I don't know if it, I don't mean to sound horrible. I don't know if it's because of his bell palsy that's affected him. But he just sounds very bored when doing his interviews. I, I would agree with that entirely. And I find that he actually just talks over his guests constantly as well, and almost asks them questions to get them to prove his point at which point he steamrolls in and starts making his point and it becomes less about yeah. the guests and more about the point he wants to get across but at the same time i do enjoy some of the things that come out of his pocket i thought this cut angle one was really good i really enjoyed that one yeah there's not part one of sting was really good and one nice yeah it's not to say there's not episodes that i don't enjoy same with jericho the one with Heyman and ed john was just fascinating oh, brilliant but, but the one out of all of these, yeah, the one that got to me the most was Steve Austin's two part with Roddy Piper. I'd, I'd pick as a favourite Steve Austin one is, well, it's four, the ones with Bischoff. Absolutely amazing. loved those. For, for, for all the kind of flack he takes for sort of the demise of WCW and stuff, I thought, and okay, he didn't make any great shakes in TNA whatsoever and didn't do anything for them really but he did come across as if he knows what he's doing if that makes sense mm. it was the same with Jim Cornette I thought Jim Cornette was a bit of a prick until I listened to that and I was like he's actually not that bad I, 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 I am a big Jim Cornette fan as well actually he's one that straddles the line between sort of crazy old guy who's a little bit out of touch but still makes a lot of really really very good points yeah 
It's the Russo one as well. Really enjoyed that. I was, you know, everyone knows Russo is known to be a bit of a dick, but I enjoyed. I listened to that and I thought, no, he's not. He's a, he's just a guy. <laughs> he's one I don't like. Uh, it, yeah, I know it's fashionable to hate on him, and it always has been. But he's one that I kind of. I, I find he just tries to pass the book for everything he did and doesn't want to take any blame for anything he caused. Uh, I'm not not a fan of his at all. I'm, I, and, and this may be a sort of very jaded, biased response, but no, I'm firmly on the side of the guy's an idiot. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> he, he is a bit of an idiot. I think as well, because I listen to the Action Era podcast a lot as well, they really praise him as well. So I listen to this and this, I'm like, oh, I'm so torn, is he a dick yeah. or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I thought their Bash at the Beach 2000 episode was really interesting, actually, because I think up until that point, they had been on the sort of anti-Russo camp, and Bash at the Beach sort of led them to be not pro-Russo, but more towards the middle, and I kind of find myself disagreeing with some of that, but, but you know, certainly willing to listen to the argument. Yeah. So, um, do you listen to any podcasts that aren't wrestling podcasts? Is it just wrestling, wrestling ones you listen to? Yeah, I've got a couple. Like I mentioned earlier, Dan Carlin's Hardcore Histories is another one like I'm a massive, massive fan of. And they only tend to come out, like, once every few months. Like, lo- looking through the list on my laptop now, like, length times, they're running four hours, 30 minutes, three hours, 20 minutes. So they're big, big, big podcast. So, yeah, because of that, they only come out very infrequently. But often, yeah, he'll do like a five-part on, you know, say World War Two or, or the Mongols or random. Then there'll be like random episodes that are just one-offs to do with like the German sort of ministers in the 1100s and stuff like that. So I find that kind of stuff fascinating. There's a couple of different philosophy ones I listen to as well. That's that's something else I'm quite interested in. So there's sort of a history of philosophy from the beginning, one that is literally covering everything. And they're only little bite-sized ones, so they're like about 15-20 minutes per episode, and they just sort of go over somebody's career and kind of the ideas they brought to the table. So those are kind of the only non-wrestling ones I listen to at the minute. I know Adam's a big fan of a film one that I cannot remember the name of now that he was telling me about, but he said I'd definitely have to listen to it, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I was going to say, knowing the name would be It, it would be helpful if I knew the name. <laughs> so what I'll do is we'll move on to the next section as a... Um... I'm assuming Adam would appreciate like this. So I do like to refer to my favourite things podcast as a bit like a nice formed mullet. Okay. We do business up front, getting to know each other, getting to know a bit about you, and then business at the back, the my favourite okay. things. So what I like to do is I like to break down my favourite things into three subjects. Obviously, we added a fourth just for you. Thank but you. But it's generally movies, TV, and music. Okay. Because of the three things in this world that... No matter what your passions are, no matter what your hobbies are, no matter what your tastes are, you have a, you more than likely have a favourite film or films. I do indeed. You more than likely love TV or TV programmes. You more than likely love music, whether it's god-awful or damn brilliant. There we have it, guys. Our amazing conversation with Stuart Brooks of the New Generation Project podcast. I'm ever so sorry about the end cutting off. I'm absolutely gutted, if I'm honest. But, you know, hopefully we can get Stuart back on the show and we can talk about a few of his favourite things. Obviously, because the end got cut off, Stuart didn't get to give his plugs, so I shall fill in and do that for him. Follow them on the Twitter, at New Gen Podcast. Like them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash New Generation Project Podcast. Follow them on SoundCloud, if you're not a user of iTunes, at New Gen Podcast. 
and look them up on PowerDriverWrestling.net, where I know their back catalogue is getting uploaded as we speak. Um, I do have Stuart's song choice, which I shall play at the end. But before we go there, I just wanted to mention good old John O'Miles, our last guest. Um, he has started a new Vine account under the name of John Besides. It's very different to what he's done previously. It's very arty. It's not no funny stuff, no guitar covers. He will still be doing them. He sells me, but you know, it's it's really good stuff. It's very it's like an introspective look at life. It's, I really don't know how to describe it. Just go look it. John Besides. Let him know I sent you, so then he can send me some thanks. <laughs> but it's absolutely amazing. It's amazing what you can do with a mobile phone and six seconds of your life. Absolutely incredible. Go check it out. Uh, before I give you the song of the week, song of the week. I'm not Cole Cabana. I am Cole Cabana uh, <laughs> with a song of the week, sponsored by HighSpots.com. Half of you don't know what I'm doing right now, do you? Anyway, try again. We have the song choice. I shall play that for you in just a second. But before I want you to go rate and review myself on iTunes, give me some love. Go to Twitter and follow us at FaveThingsPod. Give us a like on the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash favorite things podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And I shall see you very soon with a special bonus episode. Haven't quite decided what it's going to be yet, but it will be out very soon. So without further ado, it's the Neutral Milk Hotel with Holland 1945. 